What's up, independent insurance agents? Are you finally fed up with the massive amounts of time, money, resources being allocated to customer service within your agency? Is this causing your agency growth and revenue to become stagnant or even decline? The answer to this frustration is Glovebox, the premier mobile and web self-servicing solution made by successful independent insurance agents just like us, specifically for independent insurance agencies. Guys, this is the only platform with direct carrier connections. Glovebox gives your clients the power to engage within their writing carriers and you, their agency, in a single, easy-to-use platform. Mention the Insurance Guys podcast and get 20% off of your monthly subscription for life, guys, for life. This isn't an intro deal. This is for life. Schedule your demo with Glovebox today. Thanks. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast powered by Glovebox. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for I Protect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, let me tell you guys this. Mr. Bradley Flowers is currently in a doctor's office getting looked at to see if he has the dreaded COVID-19. He is unable to be with us today. So I have been joined by another six foot three sophomore from Clemson, South Carolina, parade first team All-American rivals, five-star recruit. Let me give him the introduction he has always deserved. He is originally from Clemson, South Carolina and currently resides in Raleigh, North Carolina. He is a graduate of the University of North Carolina and received a master's degree in executive leadership from the University of Hertfordshire. A 20-year veteran of the insurance industry from sales management to agency owner, he is currently the president and CEO of Premier Strategy Box, utilizing his expertise in sales and operations to assist agents all over the world in lead generation, data analytics, strategic planning, sales operations, and personal lines and commercial lines results. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor today to introduce to you first-time guest and first-time co-host of the Insurance Guys podcast, Mr. Mick Hunt. How are you, Mick? Man, I'm looking behind me to see who you were introducing back there to see (laughs) who was actually going to sit in the seat because I was just told I needed to be the backup quarterback for Bradley today. So I was throwing some some zingers on the sidelines and then it said, put me in, coach. (laughs) Hey, Mick, let me tell you something. Number one, after reading all about you, watching, listening, looking at things all over the internet about you, you leave a trail of success wherever you go. My friend and great American Billy Williams says that successful people have a resume of success. And that is you. That is who you are as a person. I'm very proud of you. You should be very proud of yourself. And it, I'm, I'm humbled and blessed to have you on this show today because here, here is the number. We have one very simple mission statement on this show. And that is to help insurance agents any way that we can. And you are somebody that can do that. Amen. Hey, I appreciate you. I'm humbled to be here as well. Um, I've gotten to to see your journey, obviously, the nationwide connection that we have. And I've gotten to know Bradley over the last several months. So so just proud to be here and and ready to do this, man. I, I have been saving this story for 190 episodes. 
Let's do it. For all of the hundreds of thousands of insurance agents that are listening to this right now, because I wanted a fellow Nationwide or somebody who had been in the trenches with Nationwide for years to listen to this story firsthand. This is a true story. What 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 I'm about to tell is a true story. So back in 2010, 2010, I joined Nationwide Insurance. And at that time, they had a sales program called the AAE. It was the agency, Associate Agency Executive Program. Yep. And it started out, you came in, you sold your first month, you had to sell like three policies. And then it ramped up to five and eight and 10 and 12. Well, before it was over with at about the year mark, the expectation was is that you sold, I can't remember exactly, but it was somewhere between 25 and 30 new business policies a month. And they did not care what they what those policies were. So I think they paid something like $75 for every policy you sold. And it it, it didn't matter if it was a $20,000 policy or a $200 renter's policy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I was getting towards the end of that sales program into that 25, 30 policies a month range. And what they failed to tell a lot of us, and you may or may not know this until we got to that point, was that every uh, late pay that you had came off the number of policies that you had to sell that month. So for instance, if you sold 30 new policies, but you had five late pays that month, then you didn't hit your number. Correct. Correct. So I I was not aware of that until way down later in the game. Uh, maybe maybe I was should have been. Maybe somebody told me, and I just wasn't listening. But I I was getting towards the you know the the meat and potatoes of that program, and mm-hmm. and I was missing my mark, and they were threatening to fire me and let me go because I wasn't hitting my numbers. And so the reason I'm telling you all that is to set the scene, to give you context of this story that I'm about to tell. Mm-hmm. So I had a couple here in Huntsville that were newly married. She worked for a defense contracting firm here in Huntsville. So she worked in one of those governmental buildings over a couple of miles from where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. And they came in. I don't remember how I got them, but they were going to buy a home, auto, uh, life, like four or five big policies. And I really needed those policies. I mean, I was, you know, you know how, you know, where you, you need it like breathing, you know, that kind of thing. Right. right. So I, I wrote, you know, I quoted them. I, I loved them up. I did all the things that we talk about doing in sales. And I was supposed to meet her Friday afternoon at four o'clock at her office in one of these governmental buildings back here behind where I'm at right now. And 3.30 rolled around. I had all of their policies uh, in a manila folder, neatly put in there with a paperclip. Everything was paperclipped. It was every, we were ready. All we were going to have to do is sign the paperwork and me get the checks, right? Yeah, that's all we're gonna the money, right? yeah, that's it. Now it's time to get the check. So I load up in my car. And when I got in my vehicle, the worst lightning storm that I have ever seen in Huntsville, Alabama hit. No rain. That's part of this story. No rain, just lightning. Now I've mm-hmm. been in I've been in worse lightning storms, but they were down at the beach. Okay. Okay. And and so 
cloud to ground lightning. I'm about uh, five, 10 minutes away from her office. I, I pull up at her office and it's lightning so bad that I grab the manila folder and I put it in, you know, those leather bound notebooks where you put legal, legal pad in. Well, I put the manila folder inside the legal pad. Cause I always like to carry my, my notebook in with me. And I had the, all the, the file, I mean, the policies that were printed out inside that leather right. bound book. Right. So I run in, I'm running into her office building. And as I'm running, it hits me that something's happened and I've got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and it, and I know, I know you and you know me well enough to know, cause we're both dudes, you know, we're both guys. Yeah. Yeah. You've been there when it just hits you like this. And right. I'm not talking, I'm not talking about TT and I'm talking about it. Right. right. And I'm, and, and I'm running to get to the front door. And the only thing that I think of is every one of these government buildings always has just like a men's and women's bathroom on the first floor. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'll just go straight to the bathroom, use it and then go to her office. No problem. No big deal. Kind of knew where she was at. So I go in the bathroom. I close the door. I do my work. And when I walked into the stall, I put the leather bound notebook on the back of the toilet. <laughs> so the so the policies are in the manila folder inside the notebook but the, the i just stick it on the back of the toilet i do my work i flush the toilet and as i f- turn around with my right hand and flush the toilet i go to stand up to put my pants back up and the, and the back of my belt hits kind of grazes that leather bound notebook that was on the back of the toilet and when it does, her policies in that manila folder fall into the toilet. So what I'm hearing is Scott's hopes and dreams are starting to funnel down the toilet. I, I'm literally about to get fired by Nationwide. And the policies that could save me are now inside the toilet that I just used before I went to go see her. So I turn around, of course, I drop my pants. I turn around and I pull the file folder with the all the policy documents in it, out of the toilet. It's soaking wet. And I'm sitting there in my mind and I'm thinking, I, what am I going to do? How am I going to fix this? I got to fix this. So I put everything back in the, the leather bound notebook. I pull my pants up, I put, put my belt on and I'm walking out and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, this is great. It's now pouring down rain outside. I can just tell her got that, an excuse. that the policies <laughs> got wet coming in the door. So I take about 10 steps going towards her office, and then it dawns on me. I'm not wet. The policies are wet. Scott's right. not wet. How the hell am I going to do that? Hand to God, I had to walk outside, <laughs> get get drenched after her policies have fallen down in the toilet, get drenched, come back inside soaking wet and then go to her office so that I could just do this whole thing about, I'm so sorry. You were committed to the story at this point, Uh, right? Dude, dude. (laughs) Yeah. But luckily in my mind, I thought, Oh my gosh, I'm not wet, but these policies are wet and she's going to see them. She's going to be like, 
dude, this is a what? What are you talking about? You're not. You're, how did you not get wet? Right. I didn't. I didn't think to myself I could have said I could have said I I had an umbrella or something. I didn't think about that. Of course. So of course. I just I just walk outside. <laughs> Guys, that is a true story. I have a thousand of those stories, thousands <laughs> of those stories. But today is all about you guys. I hope you enjoyed that story. I'm sure that many of you have similar stories. I'll tell you what we need to do one day, Mick. I need to get all these agents that have stories like that on here to tell them. Right, right. That would be right. fantastic. The one time I got bubble guts and I was about to get fired, you're never going to believe what I did to save my career. Exactly. Without that story, there is no Scott here today. That's right. That's, right. Right? That's right? exactly right. So, hey, I've got so much I want to talk to you about. Go back into my DeLorean. And I hate to I hate to tell Bradley this. I don't know if he'll hear this or not, but this podcast is probably going to run over an hour if, if you can stay with me. Because I've got so, I, I got so much to talk to you about. Let's so, do it. Number one, go back in your DeLorean for just a minute. Let's get in my DeLorean. That's two big old boys in a DeLorean. Yes, sir. Go back in time. Talk to us about how you got started in the industry and kind of bring us up to today. Perfect, perfect. So, you know my nationwide history a little bit. Fresh out of college, you know, the day I had to turn in my 6-3 backup quarterback letter, right? Um, I I meet with a nationwide agent who I'll say his name because I talk about him all the time, Mark Ritali. Know him well. Yeah. I go to Mark's office. He hired me to be a sales manager. It's day one. And he's like, I want to be the biggest, baddest nationwide agent on the planet. And he's laying out all of these goals that he has. You know, I need to be $20 million this year. And we need to acquire this number of agencies. And I need these processes in the agency. I'm like, great. How are we going to do this? He looked me square in my eye. And in only Mark Vitale, Italian bravado way, that's why the beep, I hired you. You better go figure that out and do it right now. Yep. And so I had to put together a plan to grow a nationwide agency. So, so hey, we did. Hey, by the way, listeners, listeners, podcast, podcast listeners, they, they did it. Yes. They did it. Yes. Yeah. Mark was the biggest, baddest for a period of time. Right. I mean, if you talk to Mark, he, he still is the biggest, baddest, right. but, you know. Right. <laughs> but he was the biggest, baddest. And what I learned was was really how to develop plans and follow through, right? Like how to think big picture. Like the one thing, and, and Mark is a great friend of mine now. We just did dinner a couple of nights ago. He taught me how to think big and not think like a regular agent, especially a nationwide agent at the time, where if you're a three, four million dollar premium agency, you're in good shape as a nationwide agent, right? Well, that's not what he wanted to be. So what I realized though, was that Mark was the first person that I knew that was not an athlete that I personally knew that was a millionaire. And I saw how he did it. And I said, I want to do that too. So I started my own agency from scratch. Um, I moved down to Florida. And one of the blessings that I had was the building I was supposed to move into was behind schedule, right? Imagine new construction not being on schedule, right? So I was delayed like 10 weeks I decided to go to a Wharton business program for eight weeks. And going into this program, I had my plan. I knew what I needed to do to be a great insurance agent. At least I thought I did. 
I went to Wharton to this executive leadership program, completely changed my mind on what it meant to be a business owner versus being an insurance agent. And all the things that we're taught, right? Like you just talked about your program, right? You need to go join the chamber. You need to build relationships with mortgage brokers. You need to go develop relationships with car brokers and and car dealers. That's what we're all taught. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just a really slow play. When I went to this leadership program, what I realized was I need to focus on building a business plan on developing my ideal client and a true business and marketing strategy to be the biggest, baddest agent that I could be. And that's what I did. So I came back, scrapped everything that I thought, focused on hiring the right people, um, identifying who we were going to sell to, and focus on not getting distracted by the low-hanging fruit. So I wanted to be a commercial agent. We were going to average 15000 in revenue per account. So that meant I couldn't write a $10,000 premium policy. Right. Right. That's the trap. So I built my team. We built the right processes. Three years later, we were at 23, 24 million in premium, over 3.3 million of revenue. And I got approached by one of the big guys to, to purchase me. Wasn't looking to sell, but that's just kind of how it happened. Right. Um, from there, I went to work at a large MGA where I inherited like 50 million of revenue, fixed some of the processes that we had there, put together another plan to grow. Four years later, we were at 73 million of revenue. So not premium. So we went from 50 million of revenue to 73 in four years. And that's when I decided to start Premier Strategy Box because I want to help my friends, right? The, that everyday retail agent think bigger and run their business like a business, not an agency. That's fantastic. So let's start there. I've done enough research with you to understand that you deal with agencies that are in anywhere from the five to $10 million level in terms of premium all the way up to the, the, the Mark Batalis of the world that are hundred million dollar agencies. Yeah. yeah. And there are a lot of, I'm here's the thing about you now, Mick, you've done it for so long. I'm guessing when you start working with an agency, regardless of size, but especially certain size agencies, you're probably seeing some of the same markers, some of the same things going on that you you know, almost before the words come out of their mouth, here are some of the changes that need to be made in this agency to get you to what I call that next level. Exactly. And you may have already mentioned them earlier, but what are some of the the most common things that you see with agencies that have to be either tweaked or completely Mm -hmm. retooled to get us to that next level? Yep. So I'll start on the sales side. So it's in three buckets, right? It's it's sales management, operations, and then what I'll call technology or, or automation. On the sales side, the biggest thing that I see are we have salespeople, and you can't see me, but I'm using air quotes, that are not salespeople. Right. But we expect them to deliver sales results. And for five years, 10 years, 15 years, we've been expecting these people I talk revenue, but I'll break it into premium. That right, three hundred thousand dollars in premium. We accept that and are okay with that. Right. That's not a salesperson, right? 
Like that, if and, and David Crothers and I talk about this all the time. If you can't write seventy five thousand of revenue in a year consistently, you're not a you're not a salesperson. Can't right? can't buy a dog and teach it how to meow. Exactly. Exactly. Seen a lot of women do this with husbands. They go buy, they want a dog. Okay. They want a dog, but they go buy a cat and think it's going to be able to bark. Right. Or that, or that they can teach it how to bark. Right. And that's the crazy part is you think by giving them incentives, not, not structure, not training, not coaching, not development, but just by giving a dog an incentive, you're going to teach that dog to meow. Doesn't that, work that, that, that ain't happening. Doesn't work that way. So that's the biggest thing. And then the second part of sales is just accountability. We don't hold salespeople accountable to actual results because we don't want to hurt feelings. We don't want to have to let someone go. Mm. Right. But that's what happens. We're all accountable in life. Right. Right. We have to be accountable to the people that we bring. So on the sales side, those are the two biggest things. We have people sitting in their own seats. And they're not held accountable to anything. There's no standards. There's no goals. So that's th- those are usually the biggest two on the sales side. On the operation side, it's we don't have processes that generate revenue or keep revenue. We don't hold our back office teams accountable either. We let Sally and Susie complain all day about how much they hate their job. We don't do anything to fix it. We turn our eye away from it. We don't do anything to help them. We just let Sally and Susie complain about everything that they do all day. So when you bring on a new person, guess what they do? They complain. complain. (laughs) So so let's stop right there because I think that's a common theme. Let's talk about service people. And you got to understand something about this podcast. The reason why this is the most successful podcast in the insurance industry is because we're so granular. We get down mm-hmm. so far. And the reason, the only reason for that is I have the brain of a small squirrel. So I have to, people have to tell me my nationwide sales manager just used to hate my guts because I was the guy at the meeting in front of 50 other agents that would raise my hand and go, I don't understand that. That sell, you know, sales managers, they don't like that. They don't like feeling like right. you're embarrassing them in front of their cohorts, their, their friends and right. everybody else. So right. th- that was always kind of a, a, a back and forth with us. But I want to make sure these agents understand what you're saying right now and how we've kind of gone over the what's happening, right, in terms of the service people. And I think that particular scenario that you just described is rampant almost almost COVID-19 rampant (laughs) I'm serious I mean I got one or two in my agency right now that I'm sitting there that their 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 name popped up into my head when you were talking so let's talk about that how do we fix that now we know sometimes in certain instances that can't be fixed except for it's time for you to go find another opportunity somewhere else. But right. if it can be fixed, I know I know the first thing we do is what? Address it, correct? Correct. We yeah. address it. We look at what's their workflow like, right? What's their workflow? What's the workload? What are the processes that we currently have in place, if any? And let's fix it. 
I'm not a person that believes in having a process to have a process. Right. Right. When we build out processes for agencies, the process is built for that person or that team to do exactly what their job is supposed to do. So when we build out your renewal process, we're looking at all the steps that you take. Mm. And that's what we're making the process. We're going to build it with you, hold you accountable to that. Because guess what? If Sally participates in building the process, Sally's going to take ownership of it. So you can't complain about something she built. Right. right? right. So, so we're going to help build it. We're going to make it easier. And if it can be automated, we're going to put it in automation too, because now you can throw away spreadsheets and running these reports and lists because, you know, God forbid you ask Sally to, to run a spreadsheet, mm. right? right. <laughs> but, but when you don't have to run lists and those tasks can be automated and communications can be automated, it's a much easier day-to-day for Sally, for right. Susie. Right. Right. So that's that's one way to basically write down everything Sally's doing during the day, meet with her, talk to her. What's, what do you enjoy doing? What's What are pain points? Mm-hmm. Uh, can we help you as an agency automate some of those pain points to take that off of you? Correct. And, and then just talk. I, I think, I think and this is, you may disagree with me, but I don't think you will. I think some people just don't like people. Correct. And, and we put salespeople in the wrong seat. Right. Sometimes we put a lot of times uh-huh. we put service people in the wrong seat, right? Like and it's not even an insurance. Right. I love McDonald's. When I go into McDonald's and I see grumpy Sally behind the desk, I walk out because I already know right. I'm not going to enjoy this cheeseburger today. Right? Exactly. And, yep. and that goes across the board with almost any business you walk into. Sometimes you're pleasantly surprised and you go, wow, that person just did a fantastic job waiting, right. you know, basically waiting on you or taking mm-hmm. your order or whatever. And then sometimes when you think you're supposed to get a, a good experience, I'll give you an example. So we were up at the, uh, Tennessee Young Agents Conference, Bradley and I spoke up there a couple of weeks ago, and we stayed mm-hmm. at a beautiful resort, the Dream More Resort, which was based off of Dolly Parton and had all her stuff there. And And so the first night we're there, my wife and I, we'd just gotten there. So you know how you get excited about being someplace new? And we're like, I was like, let's go downstairs and have a drink at the bar. And she said, man, that sounds great. So we'd just gotten all of our stuff unpacked. We go down to the bar. There's two bartenders down there. Mm-hmm. The one that waited on us, I my expectation, just got there, haven't been there 15 minutes, maybe 30 minutes. My expectation is sweet, kind, Paula Dean and sweet tea. How y'all doing? Right. What can right. I get you, sweetheart? You know, that stuff. Instead, I got freaking Karen as the bartender. <laughs> <laughs> and Karen throws the napkin down. What do you want to drink? Right. We don't have that. We don't have that. And I'm thinking, is am I on punk right now? Is Ashton Kutcher <laughs> about to come out here? And and so finally, and here's one thing I've started doing with people like that. And I'm not even talking about the insurance industry. I'm I, people outside. I kind of, in a joking way, kind of call them out on it. Right. And and it kind of sh- it kind of shakes them a little bit, and then they kind of back down the throttle a little bit, and, th- the, and, and that's what happened there. I said something I can't remember what I said to her, but I said something like, "You know, 
it just kind of seems like you would rather be doing anything than bartending right now. There you go. And it kind of shook her a little bit. I could tell. And after that, she kind of planed back off and she was better. Might've been thinking, Hey, this guy's going to give me some kind of bit, you know, bad review or something like that. I don't know, but it's funny how you can shake people. Mm -hmm. Here's what I call that shaking somebody into self-awareness. There you go. There you go. But imagine how many Karens are sitting in insurance agency's office right now. Hey, let's call them. I, I could call. I could call 25, 30, 40, 50 mm-hmm. insurance agencies. In fact, I do this sometimes. I'll call another agency while my staff is around, and I'll say, "Listen to this shit right here." Right. And I'll just call it. And it, State Farm, how can I help you? Right. Right. Well, and ask a question that's off script. And see what la- the lack of response that you get, the lack of care that you get, right? right. right. So, so we kind of covered the service side of that. And by the way, I'm going to circle back around to the sales again because you said something on a previous podcast that I have got to cover with my people today that are on this show because we just got through having two back-to-back how to sell insurance podcasts. All right. Let's do it. Yeah, actually four, but I digress. What's the (laughs) next piece of this puzzle? The next piece is just automation in general. Everybody wants that one-stop solution, right? Well, the truth of the matter is it's just not reality. But if we can work with your phone company and your management system company and your CRM and see if there's a way that the things that you want to have happen can happen, then we're going to help facilitate that as well. Now, we're not tech people. We're not building your your programs. We're not designing all of this. We're going to take the frustration off of Scott, right? Scott doesn't need to be calling AMS 360 and Lightspeed and Agency Zoom and Insured Mine and Better Agency and Hawksoft. Let us have those communications. Let us fix the bottleneck so that Scott can go do what Scott does well. Right. And by doing so, you guys are able to come back to your agency partners and say, all right, we've talked to AMS 360. We've talked to Lightspeed. This is what they can do. This is what they can't do. This is what it would cost to do that, I'm assuming. Because sometimes there is a cost associated with automating. Exactly. And then if it can happen, we'll manage the process. We'll train the team, right? Well, the processes that you want to have happen through these systems, we'll make sure that it is your vision, but you don't have to now worry about the time that it takes to, to make all that happen. I don't know. You may disagree with what I'm about to say, okay. and that's that's fine. I'm a big boy. I, I don't expect everybody or anybody to ever agree with anything I say usually. I'm a firm believer and I'm going to give you an insurance vendor that I feel like has done this recently. I'm a firm believer in not automating yourself out of business though. Correct. And and I'm I'm going to tell you who's done it. I'm going to tell you who's done it. Say, say the name. Called them last week. Safe lot. (laughs) There you go. There is no possible way to get a human being on a phone safe lot anymore. Right. You right. call whatever number you call, your local number. It goes to a computer door, phone tree. 
you do everything's automated, blah, blah, blah. Now there may be somebody call you back to get, you know, Hey, I'm coming over there to put your uh, windshield in or fix your windshield right. at, when they're on their way. But I was shocked that there was no possible way for me to get in touch with a sales rep with right. anybody. It was just phone tree, phone tree, phone tree, phone tree. No, I, so I agree with you a million percent and I'm going to give my guy, my mentor, Billy Williams, a shout out really quick too. When you build out automation in your tech components in your tech stack, it should enhance your customer experience and your customer journey. It should not replace humans. It should make humans jobs easier. But if you get to the point where you're pressing buttons and, and clicking and they never talk to someone, guess what? You're proving what the big myth about insurance is. The retail agent's not needed, right? right? When you get to that depth of automation, you're proving the point that, yeah, people don't need you. Could not agree with you more. That's something that I face in our agency, making sure that we're, you know, for four or five years, I had a phone tree. Well, I started live. You call the mm-hmm. agency, you get somebody on the phone. Then I went to the phone tree. Now we're back to live because... And again, maybe this just has to do with dem- uh, demographics in terms of where we live here in Alabama. People want to speak to a live person when they make a phone call. They do not want to talk. They do not want to push buttons. They do not want to be sent to the general voicemail. To this day, if you have a claims emergency on our after hours number, the very first thing you hear, if you have a claims emergency, please hit one to be connected to Scott Iowa's cell phone number. There you go. Because my feeling on it is we don't earn our living by just taking premium from people. When we when we make our living is when we need to step in there and help people with claims, which unfortunately happens a lot in my agency. Right. We are in the insurance business. Correct. Right. You have to have a claim to need insurance. Absolutely. Right? Agree. So, so let's go back. You said something on a previous podcast that I got up and started throwing chairs. I flipped <laughs> my desk over. I'm yelling and screaming. People are coming in here, and I want to go over this today. Okay? I didn't mean to piss you off, by the way. So no, I was ha- I was so excited. I was so excited, guys. We've done three podcasts. We did two po- podcasts back to back that have not been released. They are about to be released in the next two weeks. I implore you to go listen to these three podcasts that I did with Bradley. The first was with Jessica Miller in my office, one of the very best personal lines agents in the United States of America, probably writes as much business, if not more business than 99% of agents out there. The second was with Kyle Houck, who is the right hand man for Mr. David Carruthers down in in Florida. And I'm not even going to tell you how much business they write because you would be embarrassed and probably quit insurance and go do something else. (laughs) Am I right? Nick, am I right? You're correct. You are correct. So here's something you said. Let's go through the sales process together. Guys, this is Mick Hunt. He is a consultant. He has built a $23 million agency. He has been in three years. In three (laughs) In three years, he has worked with some of the biggest and the baddest out there. Here's what Mick Hunt has to say about the sales process, and you better write this shit down right now. Rule number one, slow down the sales process. Go, Do not go from building rapport 
to asking about coverages. Correct. Let's talk through this. So tell our audience what you meant by that first and foremost, and then I'm going to go through the whole thing step by step. Yep. So we have a six step sales process and insurance coverages. That conversation is step four of our six step process. Step one is building rapport. You don't go from swinging the bat to go into the dugout, right? You don't go from landing a kiss to going in bed. Let's stop right right there, guys. I said this on another podcast about a year and a half ago. I have people tell me all the damn time they cannot do sales. They don't want to be in sales. But then you take your boy, same guy that says that, out to a bar, and they turn into Zig Ziglar and Lee Dubois and Grant Cardone all wrapped up into one. Mm -hmm. Am I Mm -hmm. right or am I wrong? You are right. All day. And so for all you people that think you can't sell, there's somebody somewhere, somehow you're selling in your life. I always tell people everything is sales. Kids are selling you. You're selling them. Your wife's selling you. You're selling her. All all, all this stuff is sales. So when you're building rapport with a client, and I'm just going to ask you your your own personal experience, Mick. You're the one that built a $23 million agency in three years. What would you do? Was it going to lunch? Was it just people that knew you from your time at North Carolina? What? How would you build rapport? What was your go-to? So it's all about research, right? Like you just did the greatest introduction of me ever because you researched, right? I mean, you've, you've known me for a while, but, right. but you researched me, right? We found common ground. Right. It's the exact same way in sales. Like people want to feel appreciated. They want to know that they're just not the next person you're talking to. So, so build rapport, find common ground. It's 20, what, 21 now. The internet's amazing. Social media is amazing. I know what Scott had for breakfast this morning because he posted about it. So we're going to talk about the filet mignon and eggs with cheese that he had for breakfast this morning (laughs) with bacon and sausage and potatoes. Right. Yeah. But but use all of these things to your advantage, like take time, research people, research companies, go on social. It's there. The information is there. You're just trying to find common ground to make people feel good. Mm. People want to be feel. They want to feel good. They remember how you made them feel versus what you sold them. And it starts with building rapport. Let me give you guys another psychological hack. I've been given a lot of psychological hacks lately especially people my age, because I'm 49 years old, but people, uh, once they start having kids, and especially as their kids get a little older, middle school, high school, college, they love for you to ask them about what their kids are doing. How are their kids? I always tell people, if you want to get on somebody's good side, if you know their kids, Say something nice about their kids. Man, I tell you what, I saw your son the other day. He is he is such a nice guy. I I, I really like him. Absolutely. Man, that, that goes about as far with people as you can go anywhere. Agree. Agree. And then the second key to that is listen. Actually listen to what they're saying and how they're saying things. Right. Right. Because that's going to tell you more insight into how they think and how they communicate. So here we go. 
guys, if you're not writing this down, you better start. Step number one, build rapport. Do That's your right. research. If you don't know, I mean, there's certain people, there's a lot of people I know I don't really have to do research on because I grew up with them and we spent the night together and we rolled yards together and we were in the Marine Corps together and we did stuff. To, you know, I don't have to do research. We've already got we've already got that bond of something that we did in our life together that gives us that rapport to start with. But there's a whole lot of people I don't know. Mm-hmm. So we got to find and research and figure out what they like. And and get get in the boat together, as I like to say. Get in the boat with them. Maybe step not. number two. Step number two. Uncover their pain. Talk about that. Uncovering pain. So the most important step of the sales process is step number two. Uncovering pain. And you know, me and my sales team, we talk about this all the time. You you will hear us say this in every masterclass that we do, every coaching session we do. If there is no pain, there is no monetary gain, Mm. right? If you're not uncovering pain, you are just a transaction. And so a lot of my guys that do middle market, you know, I I take it a step further. Sometimes you have to deliver pain in a pain statement because if I'm paying $400,000 for insurance, I bought pain, right? That's how I, that's what I'm thinking. I shouldn't have pain. Because I paid $400,000 for that. But you've got to ask the right questions. So we're going to teach you how to ask questions the right way, how to go from surface level pain down to actually effective pain and how to deliver that. So you've got to ask the right questions. David David Carruthers does it as well as anybody I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Now, let's make sure we're clear about one thing. When we talk about pain, I'm not sitting there trying to figure out or talk about pain related to the the person I'm wanting to do business with and their divorce or their something, that kind of pain. We're talking Mm -hmm. about, correct me if I'm wrong, Mick, because we're, again, we're getting granular here, right? Yep. We're having a general business discussion that may include some topics and, and maybe some questions related to things that aren't necessarily deep diving into coverage things, but like, tell me about your insurance to just generally speaking, tell me what, is there any of it that besides you're paying a lot of money for it, that's kind of not sitting well with you. It's those kinds of questions. Am I right or wrong? Absolutely. And then we follow it up with psychological questions. So Scott, how does that make you feel? Labeling. Right? right? It's, it sounds, Mick, it sounds like you're not happy with your workers' comp program. Is that right? That's and then right. they'll say, you're exactly right. Yep. How long has that been a problem for you, Scott? Mm, three How years. does that make you feel? How much time and money do you think it's cost you by not having this problem fixed? Right. So again, you're getting them thinking, you're asking questions. So we call it be the talk show host, right? Like Scott's old enough to remember Johnny Carson and David Letterman, yep. right? Your prospect is your guest. Mm-hmm. Your job is to make them feel comfortable and talk and talk and talk and talk because the more they're talking, they're starting to feel comfortable with you. Mm-hmm. And if insurance coverage, deep diving into their insurance policy is the main course, 
we're at the appetizer phase. We're just talking around it right now. Mm -hmm. We're trying to figure out what bottom line is, guys, what you're trying to do is find pain points related to their insurance uh, on kind of a macro level rather than getting into business income and, you know, going through coverage questions and things like that. We're just having a con general business conversation. Yep, absolutely. So we uncover that pain. We figure out that, well, we had a claim last year and I was not pleased how it went. I was not pleased. We had a audit last year. I don't like audits. I don't want to be audited, but I sure didn't like paying an extra $25,000 for my insurance. Right, right. So those are the kinds of things we're uncovering. And then we're labeling that pain. We're labeling that back on them. Well, it sounds like uh, it sounds like that's something that you, if you could change, you, you would change, you know, things yep. like that. Continue getting them to talk, talk, talk. Next rule, guys, after we uncover the pain and we kind of talked around the big pain points of insurance, confirm their understanding, which I think you also call the pre-close. This is where we close the deal right here. So I'm going to confirm and show you that I was actively listening to you, right? I'm going to restate what I heard back from your pain points. I'm going to rephrase it, reshape it, say it a different way so that you can feel it a little more deeper than what you told me. And then I'm going to ask you this question right here. Guys, write this down. This question is about to make you a bunch of money, a bunch of money. Write this question down. Go ahead, Nick. If I'm able to solve and you insert the pain points that you uncover. So if I'm able to solve your claims issues and your gaps in coverage issues at a reasonable price and within your budget, would you do business with me? And you just pause. That's the pre-close. If you do a great job of asking that question every time, you're going to determine people that were using you up front versus people that genuinely want you to solve their pain points and want to do business with you. I hope everybody wrote that question down. I wrote that question down. Got it right here. Next step in the process. After you get an affirmative from that, now we can start talking about coverages, correct? And we can start talking more deep diving into their actual policies. That's correct. So we call stage four permission to move forward. And it's a simple ask. So Scott told me he's going to he will do business with me if I can solve his pain points. That's great. Now, Scott, do I have your permission to move forward in this process? He just said he's going to do business with me. So the answer should be yes. And this is where we're going to take you from being a typical insurance producer to a great insurance advisor, because you're going to explain what moving forward with you sounds like. Right. And what that looks like. So now I can say, you know what, Scott, I'm going to need to do a deep dive into your insurance program. I'm going to ask you a lot of questions. There's going to be homework on my end to uncover what your insurance policy and program looks like. There's going to be some homework for you, Scott, because at some point I'm going to need loss runs. I'm probably going to need to order some inspections and things like that. I'm going to help you with it. But this is what moving forward with me looks like. Is that OK, Scott? You're good with that? And it's a 
yes or it, no. Exactly. It's a yes or a no. And Scott, who I know it's probably not you. Who within your business do I need to talk to when it's time to get loss runs and when I need to look at your payroll and your sales and all this? I want to make sure I get some time with that person. What you're doing here is setting the stage because most producers don't get loss runs back. They don't get the reports back. You know, the, this is where typically in the sales process, your prospect ghosts you, right? They start disappearing mm -hmm. because you never set the stage. You never told them what permission to move forward looks like with you and set the stage of all the things that you're going to need right. to work on that quote or to, to work on that broker record letter. If you set the stage, they're going to give it to you. What is... We've gone through those processes, uh, everything we just mentioned. We've gotten them an insurance quote back. We've gone through that. I'm assuming in this next stage, we kind of go through those pain points again and how we address them, how we fix those pain points. Where, where do you stand on the close or do you think, man, when you do all this, you ain't got a close. You just tell them who to make the check out to. No, so I, I will never be that arrogant, right? Like I, I never had a hundred percent close ratio. I will never be the person that tells you if you do all of this right, you're going to close a hundred percent of the deal. But what I'll tell you is, there's no reason you can't close sixty-five to seventy percent of your deals. Mm -hmm. So step five is our presentation, right? Mm -hmm. Step five is the presentation, and at the presentation, we don't give carrier proposals, right? We, we build our own personal presentation package. And in that package, the very first thing we address are the pain points, right? We're going to address your pain points first. Then we'll get into the major coverages. And then we're going to have a signature line, right? You're signing our proposal right there, right? right? We don't leave anything for chance. Like the purpose of this decision of this, of this presentation is to get a yes or a no. Gotcha. And then if we get the yes from that, which we assume we hope that we do, based on following this process step by step, our next step is getting the check and, and, and binding the coverage. Exactly. And, and we let them know what it's like to now be a client of ours, mm -hmm. right? So they, this is your account manager, your account executive. This is how you communicate with us. This is how we're going to communicate with you. you setting, set setting the expectation. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So sticking with this theme for just a minute, guys, I hope you listen to all of that. That was just gold right there. We've, we've closed the business. We've set the expectation. We've gotten the check. The unilateral contract is in full. By the way, do you consider them signing your proposal as this is a you know this is they still have to sign the insurance application they don't you can't do that in lieu of at some point digital signatures on the application no, right? no, no. all of that happens and we let them know at closing you still have to sign with the carriers but this is saying you allow me and my agency to be your insurance advisor so if i ask you mick to close your eyes and give Scott the perfect post-close customer experience. We've got the check. We've signed the application. We're doing business together. 
we've kind of gone through the from A to Z, the sales process mm-hmm. that you just described. Mm-hmm. So now I'm a customer. Scott's now a pu- customer of the hunt agency. Yep. I, let's say you closed me yesterday or, yep. or, or today, today, today at noon, we went to lunch, closed everything out. I gave you a check for $25,000. Yep. What is the post close customer experience look like for Scott Howell in the hunt agency? So what's going to happen within 24 hours, you're going to receive a thank you video from, from me, from, from the agency owner your producer, and your assigned account manager, account executive, right? We're we're thanking you for doing business with us. We're so appreciative of you. Is that three separate videos or one email with all three videos attached? One email with all three videos attached. Okay. Yep. So that's within 24 hours. We're doing some work for the next seven days behind the scenes that we're making sure the downloads come through. We've got everything in the management system the right way. Your policy was released the right way. All that jazz, right? 14 days after you've said yes or you've signed your deal, you're going to get another video that says, hey, these are our social pages. This is how you communicate with us. And oh, by the way, if we did a great job for you, We'd love if you'd post a review right here. Here's a link to our review. Day 30, you're getting a call from your account manager, making sure that if you don't have your policy, depending on what carrier you're with, that you've got a copy of your policy. We're reviewing it with whoever you told us. And go ahead. I was writing every, th- every syllable of what you said down. And I got to day 14. You're, they are getting another video. These are our social social channels. And if you love your experience so far, please post a review on, I'm guessing, Google. Yeah, whatever, whatever your – some people use Podium or other instances like that where they can broadcast it everywhere. So Now, that video at day 14, is that coming from Mick Hunt, the agency owner, or is that coming from the – that's coming from selling producer. Uh, told you we get granular around here. Absolutely. Okay. Next. And then day, day 30, your account manager is calling to make sure you've received your policy, walking through the policy to make sure all the dies were audited, were dotted the right way, T's were crossed, and that you have no questions as to how your policies and debt pages read and look. Because now we got to start getting all the certificate information ready. But before we do that, we're making sure what you see is what we see. And that's what we both wanted to see. Right. So she's saying things like, hey, this is uh, or it could be a he. I know mm-hmm. a lot of account managers that are men. Mm-hmm. But hey, Mr. Howell, this is this is uh, Stephanie in uh, Hunt Insurance's office. How are you doing today? Which, by the way, you better not ask a prospect. This person, Scott's now a client, so it's okay to ask him how he's doing today. There you I'm, go. I'm doing great. I'm doing great, Natalie. I hope you're doing well today, or whatever name I said earlier. And mm-hmm. then she's saying, hey, I'm just calling you today. I got a little bit of a checklist here I want to go through with you and just make sure, to, have you received your policy? Mm-hmm. What, what if, okay, what if uh, Scott – 
through the sales process early on says, don't like to be called. I'm a busy guy. I got five insurance agencies to run. Uh, best way to get in touch with me is to text me. That would have been noted and that would have been a text message. Okay. Yep. And if he would rather have an email, that would have been an email. So the basic gist of this 30-day call, text, or email, depending on how they want to be communicated, is any questions and have you received your policy? Yep. And, and that's pretty much it, right? I mean, correct. Okay. Then correct. what? Any, is there anything else or does that kind of close out for now the customer experience that Scott could, could, what would, would get from your agency? Yeah, that's going to be Scott's 30-day onboarding. And now throughout the year, depending on what industry Scott is in, if he's a commercial client, we're going to have some pre-scripted, oh, did you know, type informative drops that go through him four times throughout the year, right? Like we're never, it's not salesy. It's not about cross-sell, upsell. It's just, if Scott is a restaurant owner, we're going to send him some great restaurant content, right? Not in, It might not even be insurance stuff. It's just stuff that is for the restaurant industry. It might be some COVID facts, right? But we're going to do four drops throughout the year that are, we'll say, educational information-based, but it doesn't have to be insurance-specific. Something that can help them and add value. Absolutely. And that's going to look different for your personal line side of the house, than it will for the trucking niche that you've got 10 million, 20 million, $30 million in premium with. Correct. Because those mom and dad, whoever that you've got on your personal line side, is probably not going to want to see the same thing that the, the guy making insurance decisions for a trucking company is going to want to see. Exactly. Everything is specific to your niche or your role. So you're having to segment out the four touches throughout the year, that's getting segmented some way within the book of business before that goes out. Yeah. Yeah. With, with automation and depending on what your CRM or management system is, it actually isn't as complicated as it sounds. Right. So right. right. We, we say all of these type risks go through this journey and at day 65, this happens at day 127, this happens at day 245, this happens. And then we start the renewal process. Let's change gears for a second. And then we'll get off this podcast. Guys, if, if 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 I'm not doing anything to help you today, guys, I don't I don't know what to damn tell you. There's gotta be some other podcast, insurance podcast out there. I, I, I Mick and I can't do no more. I mean, it's just, just sometimes you just go, hell, I can't do no more than water. That. You can lead them to water. <laughs> right. 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 You know, you played football for the University of North Carolina, correct? Yeah, I did. I hurt my shoulder. Opening freshman year, but yes, I well, was the, out there. The, I mean, the, the reason I bring that up, Mick, is there are some people that you saw out there on the football field with you at that beautiful stadium right behind you that you probably looked at and you went, my God, why is he not playing every single down? And they just didn't have whatever that is in their – something didn't click where they were like, yeah. you know what, if I work hard, if I do what I'm told, if I – if I'm coachable, if I if I'm a leader, if I I can play every single snap, but I don't want to do those things. 
So here I am over here in the side on the sidelines, or even worse, I'm I'm in the stands, you know, because I didn't get to dress out. And I right. I know kids University of Alabama like that. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, and you know what the difference is? So I, I read a lot and I, I don't remember what book this was, but it was seven, eight years ago. I read a line in a book that said the biggest separator of great business people, of great athletes, of great employees is tenacity. Tenacity is defined by so many things. But when you think about it, that's really the truth, right? Who's going to be tenacious? And usually the person that's the most tenacious is usually a great winner. I'm going to get naked for you. <laughs> I'm, dead ass, I'm dead ass serious. I'm getting naked for my boy here. He is. So on the back of my arm, I don't know if you can see that or not. What does that say? It says grit. Grit. I'll never freaking stop. Never. Till I'm, right. the, till I'm in the ground. I'll never freaking stop. Damn right. And, and I was, I got that. I got that. I was listening to a TED talk one day, and this lady said she went to something like ridiculous, like a hundred places. Like she went to Quantico, she went to Harvard, she went to Navy SEAL training out in uh, San Diego, where I can't remember the name of that island. She went to all these different places and she interviewed all these super successful people. And this is on YouTube if you want to go watch it. But she said that the biggest determining factor of success by far, people that graduated medical school, people that did whatever they do in life, the biggest determining factor was grit, stick to itiveness, the ability to just keep putting one foot in front of the other every single day, regardless of what happened. Agree completely. And I listened to that and I thought, well, I know that I have the IQ of a possum, squirrel, raccoon. Oh, no. Come on. And I know, but how have I been so successful in my life and everything I've ever done and accomplished. And I think the answer is I just wouldn't quit. I just kept going when everybody else was like, ah, I ain't going to do this shit no more. Nobody's going to outwork Scott Howell, right? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that it's that they wouldn't outwork me. Maybe there's, I'm sure there's people out there. David Carruthers probably outworks me. and he, But he's obviously got a bigger agency than I do. But I still just don't quit. I just keep going. Right. Somebody tells me no, I just keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going. And uh, I think that just overall is the reason. And you said something on his podcast that really hit me too. When you were talking about salespeople, he said you were saying that, and I've I've kind of always believed this too. Is you know you go out at the University of North Carolina, you see a defensive end starting defensive end, starting defensive tackle, six foot five, 285. There, there is something to be said for salespeople that are born and not made because mm-hmm. those guys that you see on Saturday, I've got a family member right now, plays backup right guard for Auburn, six foot mm-hmm. five, 315 pounds. Nice. Um, you know, that mm-hmm. he was born that way. 
And it doesn't right. matter. You know, again, it goes back to dogs and cats. You know, I, I'm kind of yeah. that guy, too. I feel like I can I can when I see somebody and talk to them for a little bit. I've been I've been alive for 49 years. I know you're you know, I don't know how old you are, but kind of in my age 40. range. Yeah. 43. You kind of sense it when you meet them. You're like, that guy's a salesperson. I love him. Right. right. He's, a, right. He's, a, he's a sales guy. I can tell. Extrovert. He's. He wants to talk. He likes talking to people. He asks questions. Yep. I think there's something. Yeah. And we have to bring those people into our industry. And those are the people that you want for your agency because those are the people that don't know any better. Right. Right. They don't know any better. Right. I can't tell you how many producers we work with that I prefer that don't come from the industry. Right. Like when I built my agency, I didn't hire my producers. I hate that term, by the way. My salespeople didn't come from insurance. Because right. I didn't want them to. Right. Because we don't do a good job of developing salespeople. Right. But when you see that trait, Deadly. you go get by any means necessary. Deadly. Because it will change your life. Like all of my producers in my agency average new business 145000 of revenue a year. Revenue. Right. And that, that's, how you, that's how you steamroll growth is when you've got uh, you, I tell you what, you get you about five or ten of those stormtroopers that you just mentioned. You're at twenty three, twenty five million dollars in three years in a hurry. Yep. Yep. The problem is, and I know you and David both kind of have the same belief, but these are hard to find. Sometimes is you guys have this, uh, and I know a lot of agents that I'm friends with, Louis Gazatua down at Jags this way. You want those traits we just talked about, but you also need them to have some B2B sales experience. Of course. Because when you take just a kid out of high school that's got all that or a kid maybe out of college that doesn't know anything about business, they can still sell, but not like some kid who's gone and worked at uh, Paychecks Payroll Service for two or three years and run B2B. Right. That's when it gets deadly. For sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I, w- unless you're in a niche where you naturally can know some folks, right? Like I've got, and I know Bradley was talking about this at the young agents in Tennessee. I've got a kid that just graduated college in December. That's averaging $400,000 a freaking month in premium. Cause he doesn't know he's not supposed to do that. He right? don't, he don't know no better. He, he doesn't, he, he don't know no better. And he's out there. And he calls me every other week and is like, hey, this is what I did. Is this good? And I'm like, yeah, it's okay. I've seen better. It's yeah, okay. Right. You're okay. You're done all right. Last question, and I'm going to let you go because we've been on here a while. Here's my question. You've been doing this a long time. How do you utilize KPIs, key performance indicators, to help bonus and keep your service people in the game? Love that question because I actually I'm I'm speaking at the end of September on KPIs and, and what real KPIs are. So on the service side, my biggest KPI is how many one call resolutions did you complete? If Mr. Jones has to call three and four times to get his problem solved, we failed, right? How many one call resolutions? are we doing? Because that is a true performance indicator, right? If, if somebody, if it takes three and four and five and 10 calls to underwriters and 
back and forth to get something solved, we're failing, right? Let me repeat that back to you. For service people, how many one-call resolutions do you complete? Is that per day, per week, per month? Per week, per week. Is that your only KPI with them? No. And then we look at, you know, are we completing our task within X number of hours, right? So if you start your day with with 10 tasks, how long is it taking us to get through them? Because all of our tasks are, are components of processes that we have. So we're able to, to measure our processes on task effectiveness. And how long is it taking those tasks to be completed? How are you measuring those? Well, either within a management system or a CRM. So we make sure that the CRMs that we build out or the, the management systems that we build out can give us those reports and those measures. So when a task starts, there should be a timer on that task. So say it again. Are we completing our tasks within whatever service? Like we call them service level agreements. So if if and I'll make this up simplified for personalized. If changing the vehicle should take an hour from start to finish, changing the vehicle, communicating it back out to the client, getting it done, issuing the paperwork. That's what we measure. Are we getting that done on time? Are there any other KPIs outside of business related activities that you measure? No, because I think everything else is a metric and we're talking about service, right? Right. Everything else is a metric and a metric is not the same thing as a KPI. Metrics are important, but that doesn't mean it's a performance indicator, right? So remember the key part of key performance indicator is the performance. Yeah. Right. 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 Now on salespeople, we have a different set of KPIs. Tell me. The biggest one is how many appointments or not, not appointments, how many presentations are you doing per week? Right. A lot of people are going to talk about calls and visits. All that stuff is important. But at the end of the day, if Scott can can do five presentations a week and only has to go see 10 people, I want to do what Scott's doing because the performance is how many presentations am I doing? Okay. Calls and binds and all that are metrics. Do you really need to do KPIs though on your salespeople? Because at the end of the day, their KPIs, whether they're doing them or not, are going to be come out in the wash in terms of commissions. They will, but when you're talking about developing people, you want to show them the performance that matters, right? To okay. get to the results. What else on salespeople? Anything else? So on commercial, we talk about joining associations in your niche market. So we talk about how many association meetings did you attend? Because again, that's about building your brand. To me, that's a performance indicator because as time evolves, I should be able to see results from that. Mm-hmm. Mick, I just, don't, I just don't know if we can do any more for these folks than we did today. <laughs> I definitely... Definitely, definitely want to have you on back on the show because what we just went over, I had another two pages of things I could have gone over today that we need to go over. Before we get off this podcast, I want you to tell all of these 250,000 insurance agents how they can get in touch with you. And I guess from a pricing standpoint, what you guys do over there is, is it a one size fits all, or is it kind of dependent upon after meeting, talking, figuring out, doing some uh, sales? Yeah. 
process. Yeah, we do discovery and we look and see what's needed. We do some things that are pretty global. Like we have sales masterclass where we'll teach you our sales process, right? We don't do the accountability piece, the sales management piece, but we will do a 13-week breakdown of our sales process and turn your producers into to sales ninjas. That I can promise you, right? That is a very customizable, but we do it with everyone across the country. So, you know, we try to hold no more than like 50 producers per class, but we can do 100 classes, but we try to keep it interactive because there's a lot of role play. There's a lot of competition throughout those 13 weeks. So so that is always the standard price. That's 3000 per agency. doesn't matter if you have one producer or 100 producers, you're not paying per producer. It's for your agency. And, and maybe we'll give a, an insurance guy's podcast discount out there, mm. too. I would love that so much. Well, so let's do it. T- tell them. T- I'll let Bradley deal with that when he gets through getting over whatever the hell he's got right now. Uh, I'm going to have him call you and figure that part of it out. But let me ask you this. How do they get in touch with you? What, how would they get in touch? Mick.hunt at mystrategybox.com. And then I'll give you my direct dial, 919-435-2916. And we can talk about the masterclass. We can talk about a customized consulting program for you. Everything we do on the consulting side is customized to your agency. We're not a, a one-size-fits-all type deal. We, we want to make your agency be the best version of your agency that it can be. I appreciate you being on here. I appreciate you having me, man. I can't I really wait. Do. I can't wait for this podcast to come out because there's going to be some agency owners get fired up about this. I'm looking forward to it. Guys, yes. as I end every podcast, rewards come from action, not discussion. Get your ass out from behind that desk today. Stop shuffling paperwork. Stop doing TPS reports. Go out into the big, bad world. Build relationships. Make money for your wife, for your husband for your kids' college fund, for your parents that are struggling out there, go make money for them. Figure out what your why is and go make a damn bunch of money for all of them and for yourself and live the life that you were meant to live. You are listening to the Insurance Guys podcast and we love each and every one of you and we'll see you back here next week. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at scott at iprotectinsurance.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to portalinsurance.com or email him at bradley at portalinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening to our show and being a part of our family. And we look forward to seeing you again next week on the next episode of the Insurance Guys podcast. Take care.